Hi, welcome to the Girls Unstoppable podcast. This podcast aims to inspire girls to become unstoppable women. Each episode, you'll hear inspirational and motivational stories about women overcoming challenges and having a positive impact on their community around them. We endeavour to empower you to overcome opposition in everyday life as an unstoppable woman. It seems these days adults are often asked, if you could tell your younger self anything, what would it be? So I'm 48 and if I could tell my 16-year-old self anything, it would be, well, maybe tone down the blue eyeliner a touch <laughs> and and honestly blend your foundation. Like that that line around <laughs> that line around Great. your jawline. I, I'm hearing a, a, an agreement here. But it's just not a good look, right? <laughs> in our defense in the 80s, we didn't have YouTube telling us how to put makeup on. So but I would also tell my younger self that it's okay to do things for me to do things that light me up or help me relax, things that connect me with who I really am, that caring for myself isn't selfish. I'm Jo Stanley, TV and radio presenter and content creator. This podcast is Girls Unstoppable. And in this episode, we dive into life-affirming self-care. I'm one of your hosts for this conversation, and I'm so pleased to introduce my co-host, Francesca Clark. Frankie is in year 11 at Strathcona Girls Grammar. She's passionate about netball, equality, politics, and the environment. She loves listening to podcasts about politics and dreams of working in politics. <laughs> she is very much a girl unstoppable. Frankie, I'm so excited to be co-hosting with you. I'm also so excited to be co-hosting with you today, Joe. But I feel like I should be checking my jawline or something. <laughs> but as a 16-year-old girl, I find that self-care isn't about one, one-off events, but it's more a continuous commitment to ensuring that your body mentally and physically is at its best. Taking time off to look after yourself isn't selfish. But what actually is self-care and why should it be a priority? We have a fantastic panel of fascinating guests today to help us find our passion for self-care. So let's meet them. Addie Wooden is a clinical psychologist and, a C and CEO of Smiling Mind, an app for meditation and mindfulness that I personally use all the time. She is passionate about shifting community attitudes around mental health and she dreams of living a simple life and growing native flowers. And she also wants to change the world. So Addie, What's the first thing in the world you would change if you could flick a switch and change it immediately? Oh my goodness, what a huge question. <laughs> what would I change? I think I'd change the way we think about ourselves and our, 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 our perception of mental health and how we look after ourselves. It's probably the biggest thing that keeps me up all the time. Um, I think with the way we look at the world and the way we interact with the world is a little bit critical and a little bit, um, I think we get caught up in lots of stuff we probably don't need to get caught up in. So I'd probably have a magic wand that changes the way we live and, and allows us to really enjoy life because, you know, we only have one, one life. Well, my belief is that we only have one <laughs> life um, and we have to make the most of it. I love the notion of flicking a switch and changing the way we see ourselves in the world, Addie. That's what we're here for today, maybe, to start 
moving the switch together collectively. Uh, our second guest today is Rhiannon Ward. She's a teacher of English at Strathcona Girls Grammar, working in pastoral care and well-being of adolescents. She's also a very busy mum to six-year-old Ruby and four-year-old Archie. She's passionate about life and dreams of a COVID-controlled world where we can all get back out there and experience new and exciting things again. <laughs> so, Rhiannon, you have a really unique perspective in that you work with young people every day. Yeah. Do you see that young people are embracing self-care or do you think it's a lifelong practice to learn? Yeah, look, I think that probably springboarding from what you said at the start, Joe, what I could tell my 16-year-old self, mm. I think my message would certainly be to it's okay, everything is okay, you are okay mm. and everything, you know, don't be so hard on yourself. I think that particularly adolescent girls, you know, that that fight to be perfect or whatever they think that they need to be, just in the big picture of your life, you just sort of grow to, to love it all, don't you? I think mm. as, as women, by the time you're definitely in your mid to late 30s, as I am, <laughs> Um, so I think I'm acutely aware that particularly adolescent girls do need that nourishment of, of soul and self. And, you know, like Frankie sort of said at the start, that means lots of different things to different people. And I think part of our job as educators is really helping to guide the girls and, and show them the different options that are probably out there for their own, for their own self journeys and their own probably self care messages um mm. so yeah i think a lot of what i do just day to day is a, is revolves around that well it's wonderful to have your perspective frankie our last guest today is an alumni of strathcona amanda campbell amanda is the founder of bend like bamboo a program designed to maximize resilience and health she's a sports kinesiologist and ambassador for ms amanda you experienced a profound life event a paralysis at 29. That changed your view of self-care. Can you tell us about that? It certainly did. And thank you so much for having me today. It's so wonderful to be here with you all. When I was uh, 24, I was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. Looking back, what I know now is from that moment on, I started to focus all of my energy on what I didn't want and what I was scared of that might happen. And when we're stressed, we become more rigid and we imagine worst case scenarios and we go into what we call a survival mode. And so I really believe that what we believe is what matters. And I really started to believe that I wasn't okay. Um, and living this way, five years later, my worst fears were realized and the entire left-hand side of my body became paralyzed and washing and feeding myself became the most difficult tasks of my day. So I was living in hospital and I had three days of medication and then I was transferred to rehabilitation where I would live for two months. And that's where I really hit rock bottom. But I knew I had to change my mind and what I was believing and my approach to get different results. Um, and it was it was as if we would light a candle in a well-lit room. You don't really notice the light. It's only when everything becomes dark that you find your own light and what you're truly capable of. There was one day where everything changed for me. Um, my girlfriends took me out for dinner in my wheelchair and we laughed and laughed and just forgot about the 24-7 hell that was my life for, for a while now. And I was just so happy. I received joy as if I felt it for the first time in all of my cells. 
And I came back to my room and my toe moved for the first time. And it was in that moment I found hope. And as a result, I started to focus my energy differently. I started to focus on what I wanted instead of what I didn't want. And I released that survival mode, receiving more joy and believing of what could be possible for me because now my toe moved, maybe my body would move. And I walked and ran in six weeks. Wow. Amazing. Six weeks. That's an extraordinary recovery from such a very shocking thing to happen to you. And what I'm loving about that, Amanda, is that you engaged with your own wellness in a way that you hadn't up until that moment and made a choice. And I suppose that's what we're here today is engaging with what it is to make us thrive and not just survive. So let's not assume that we know what self-care is. Um, What does self-care mean to you? Self-care is believing in yourself and really nourishing your self-esteem. What we believe is what matters. What we believe mirrors the biochemistry that will fire in our body, which is typically either one of survival and stress and degeneration or of growth and repair. And how we think and feel and what we believe is truly a mirror image of how we'll, you know, the lenses that we wear, how we interpret our environment around us and therefore how stressed we get. So, you know, self-care is about, if you imagine, like the concept of been like bamboo a tree that's anchored and when you are anchored you're doing self-care every day to root yourself into the ground to anchor yourself and therefore you're more flexible um life brings change every day but sometimes life brings bigger change and it won't throw you as much if you're continually Mm. doing self-care so that Mm. sounds like self-care is about resilience does that reflect what you see Addie? Yeah, it it really does. I think self-care sometimes has a bit of a bad rap. You know, we think, oh, we have to go off and do something extravagant, go to a spa or have a massage or something like that. But I think self-care really is about the everyday things that we do for ourselves, um, exactly like you're talking about, Amanda, that that all of those things that make us connected to what we're doing, um, give us the the energy and the courage and the strength to get through all of the the tricky things that happen in our lives and that you know it's really kind of um, maybe we should flip it and we should say well self-care is a, is essential it's kind of you know we have to sleep we have to do exercise we have to eat well and we have to look after ourselves and that's what self-care is all about I completely agree I think that self-care is empowering and it's insanely important so Rhiannon, what do you think self-care, why self-care is so important? Sure. Look, I think probably the little things in life can be the most important, similar to what what we've just been talking about, that, you know, you don't have to go and do something big and extravagant, as we just heard. It's more, you know, taking the time out to and acknowledging that it's okay to take the time out for yourself. So, for me, for instance, I've I've started jogging again during this COVID lockdown, which I never would have thought was possible. <laughs> and honestly, it has just been the most renewed experience because I will, I'll go out in the morning before anybody else in my house is awake and before work. And I kind of just ground myself and visualize the day that I'm going to have. And, and sometimes, you know, if I know that I've got a meeting with someone coming up, I'll I'll talk through that experience in my mind while I'm sort of 
in the jog. Look, it's a slow, you know, stumble on some mornings, oh, let's be honest. But... Trust me, I'm right across the middle-aged plod. I'm a plodder myself. I know. And you'll see these, like, super fit young girls just striding past in leisure wear and I just feel every bit the middle-aged mother that I am. But anyway, it's more, it's more, it's it's fitness for my mind and my soul, not my body, if I'm honest. It's more just, you know, getting myself ready for the day and I think that's a good message to send to to adolescents that you know physical fitness isn't just about being you know this felt being that can you know <laughs> rock climb and whatever it's more about being strong in your soul and in yourself and, and giving yourself that grounding um that's that's what I find important yeah, I think that is a really lovely link between all the things that we're told is imp- is good for us versus what actually nourishes us because if you do something because you know you're supposed to you're going to lose motivation pretty quickly it's about us linking that with what is nourishing you i guess so let's have a brainstorm mm. all of you jump on in what are all the wonderful different ways we can care for ourselves what do you do for mm. self-care i guess it's sort of like that those the big three isn't it exercise the food and nutrition and and your mental spiritual self it's probably the trifecta and anything in between that that makes sense for you and your circumstances specifically what sorts of things do you do the three of you amanda and and Addie and rhiannon well for me i think um i have to say meditation because meditation is a core part of the of what i do every day um but also what we do at smiling mind and i think um but but for me that doesn't mean like sitting for 45 minutes or anything really out there it's really about small bits um that i can bring into my day so i make sure at at least 10 minutes i sit down but then like you rihanna i think exercise and jogging is really important for my mental health and it's funny how you um you you've talked about um, that, that sort of activity isn't like necessarily for, for fitness, which is definitely a, a really good outcome of exercise and jogging, but it, it's so important for, for my mind to get out into nature and to, to, you know, huff and puff and to feel like I'm actually working, working on something a bit different. Cause I spend a lot of my day in my head, I think when I'm at work. What about you, Amanda? Um, I do whatever I can to try and promote that growth and repair pathway rather than survival because we're always on and our modern day problems, simply just drinking coffee and watching news will activate that stress response, right? So um, like Addie, I adore uh, meditation. I adore smiling mind too. Um, and um, I think, uh, you know, we wash our bodies every day. So how do you wash your mind of yesterday's stories, old redundant beliefs that we Sometimes we decide something about ourselves from a stressful, traumatic event. And how do we find that flexibility to change our minds about what we're believing about ourselves, our self-confidence, and therefore what can be possible for us? So I meditate every morning and night. And for me, that takes me from the ground floor of a building. Carolyn Meese has this wonderful analogy of the ground floor where we're more reactive. All we can see is what's just in front of us versus elevating to the penthouse where you can see all the reasons why everything's happening. A higher perspective or, you know, a higher understanding of, you know, what's going on in life. And we're less reactive. We're we're more inclined to fire growth and repair pathways. And, you know, when we're more calm and present in the moment, we're also in our most creative state. Rhiannon, uh, you've mentioned to me that you love to get outdoors. 
I do. I must say my sort of my daily go-to is definitely something outside, probably similar to, you know, the huff and puff in nature. Um, we moved to the Outer East, you know, three and a half years ago and and it, we are just surrounded by green and bushlands and I feel peace being here and I, I've definitely, you know, when I was doing the daily commute back in, you know, real life, when I would come back out to home it was almost like a sigh of of just release and so definitely being out in nature and just bird song and and those sorts of things i find center me and also i think i'm i'm definitely an extrovert personality i i sort of feed off other people's energy to to gain my own energy i suppose so i recognize that but i also definitely feel that we need just some quiet and peace and space in in a 24-hour period just for ourselves and not for having to worry about what you need to do for anybody else and I suppose that would be similar to meditation I did meditate you know back years ago before I had the children but it's probably something I should get back into for my own self-care <laughs> children ruin everything when it comes to meditation well <laughs> no, thanks, no they Frankie. enrich our lives they enrich our lives it's not, not a ruination it's an enrichment it is but trying to explain to a five-year-old you can't come in I'm meditating it's very hard they don't understand they don't do peace very well do they no they don't but I know also Amanda you've mentioned to me the notion of pushing yourselves outside of the of your boundaries and you also Rhiannon you love learning and I, I suppose growth is a part is a version of self-care too would you say yeah absolutely and I think you know humans are we're lifelong learners we're social creatures and we you know things that happen to us in life we need to experience change through that and grow and certainly over the course of my career I've I've always gone back to study and at the moment I'm studying again just part-time around the edges in you know all my free time but I actually find that 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 nourishes my soul to some extent as well because I feel that I'm actually growing my capacity and therefore growing what I can offer the next generation of young women and I think that's important that you know girls in the context where I work need to see that women can can work and can be strong and can have a family and and can keep achieving and striving for the next ambition that they might have i think that's a really strong message that we can send to young women at, at you know at our place of work so yeah definitely and also just not being afraid to take those risks you know just o over the course of your life calculate a risk sometimes we don't mm -hmm. want to be going you know crazy dangerous situations but definitely having having enough sort of sense of self to back yourself and and try something new if it interests you because you're never quite sure what you're going to get out of an experience amanda what's your perspective on on um stepping outside of your comfort zone i think it's the, one of the most important things we can do for ourselves you know i think the best way that i achieve that for myself is i try and give my mind and body the best environment to be more flexible and when we're feeling good and we're 
Um, you know, we're working on self-care and self-esteem and we're calmer, more present in the moment, usually from a morning ritual because it doesn't just turn on, right? We kind of have to consciously activate it, which is, you know, why apps like Smiling Mind are so wonderful because we need tools, right? We really need tools to journal, to meditate. And that's what I do in the morning and in the evening. And that helps me to switch out of that survival um, mode, which we can get stuck in, right? We can just get with our modern day problems and all of our deadlines and our finances, interpersonal relationships, you know, stuff that's going on in the world can really keep, and it becomes familiar to feel that way as well. So no matter whether you're healing from an illness or you're trying to overcome change or you're trying to perform at your best at work, getting it out of your comfort zone is about giving yourself the best environment to be more calmer, present in the moment and flexible. Mm. So with, nutrition so obviously nutrition is a very it's a critical part of self-care what do we know about the foods that fuel us amanda nutrition is a passion of yours so why is it so important um in self-care well i had to do a lot of research on you know how to repair because not i, I recovered from my paralysis but ms is a chronic auto, autoimmune condition that's ongoing so i need a maintenance program so i studied everything i could on how to repair the mind and body and i came across some amazing um you know, uh, neurologists that also have MS and, you know, being a personal story um, of their own, they were quite passionate in researching, you know, not um, alternative methods such as, you know, the importance of nutrition and how to maximize repair. And what I discovered was it's very simple. Focus on what to increase rather than just, you know, harping on what to decrease. Make it fun. So green leafy vegetables, deeply colored fruits and vegetables, good fats, hydration, all um, really help with repair. And if you're focusing on what to increase, such as, you know, these foods on your plate every day, you're automatically going to feel more satiated and you're going to reduce you know bad foods too much sugar um, and that's all based on how you're feeling so if you're focused on you know meditating being more present at the moment your self-esteem self-care you're less inclined to need that sugar as an upper you know to coming out of feeling a bit down so the mind and body are truly connected I think it's really interesting you're speaking about, and we all have, I think, focus on what we're feeling. And surely that's what self-care is is about, is understanding through spending time with yourself what it is you need. And would you say that that's, that takes time to even connect with what your body and your your soul and your mind is telling you? Is that something that you found easy over the years, all three of our panellists, or is it something you've had to really train yourself to connect with in yourself? Yeah, absolutely. It takes time to, and it's different for everybody, what 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 you need versus someone else. It's a personal journey. Um, and when you're working on your mind and body, then automatically you're going to produce this deeper connection within yourself. And that's when you know what to walk towards, what is not right for you, what to walk away from. And that is true daily, daily practice. It's not an automatic thing. It's, it's when you can quiet the noise and you can listen internally. And, you know, when we go through stuff, we are forced to go within and that's when you truly that's when I learned how to feel truly connected in that way yeah I would agree I think um it takes so long doesn't it to get to know yourself I think remembering mm. back to when I was at school you know there were so many different emotions and worries and like it was it, it there was heaps of stuff to get your head around and to connect with and it I think um finding a way to trust yourself and to get to know yourself really takes 
it takes a bit of a risk sometimes, doesn't it? You kind of have to, you know, trust that you, you're going to make the right decision or say the right thing or, you know, or, or push yourself out of your comfort zone and give something new a try. And that just, I don't know, maybe that comes through trial and error as well. Like as we go through difficult things in life, we kind of get to know how we're going to respond and what's good and what's not so good yeah. for us. And I'm sure we've all been in situations where we've done something we think, oh, that probably wasn't the best decision. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. What? I don't know what you're talking but, about. No. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Sorry, was that just me? <laughs> but hopefully I've learned from those experiences as well and I've learned to kind of trust my gut instinct a bit more. Definitely. Definitely. I, I think I can relate to that on, on a number of levels, but particularly what you just said there about the mistakes. I think, you know, just not being so hard on ourselves and knowing that life is a bit of a journey and you are going to sometimes do things that you look instantly you think oh goodness I just wish I hadn't said that but I think a lot of a lot of the growth that comes around these experiences is just sort of forgiving yourself and just saying you know what there's no shame in any of this we all make mistakes we're all human beings just forgive yourself, it's okay, and just move on. You know, mm. everybody else does. Um, and I think that that's definitely a message that if I could get, have imparted that to my younger self as well, that you're not going to be perfect. And I tell the girls that now, you know, you, you, you're not going to go through this entire year without making some kind of mistake, but that's life. That's growing up. That's experience. That's, that's what it's all about. And also with living in the 21st century, obviously social media is playing a huge part in people's like self-esteem. So how do you think that you can see the social media problems with the children you work with, Brianna? Yeah, that's so important, Frankie, isn't it? Because honestly, it's, it's one of, it, I feel like at the moment with this COVID crisis that it, parents particularly are at this real turning point with 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 social media and just platforms in general because they think that their kids need to be connected to the other kids. But some of these messages that come through on social media can be really toxic. And, you know, there is a definite generation gap really in terms of what parents had experience of when they were 16 and what their 16-year-olds are now dealing with. They try, but sometimes there is a definite gap there. So I think that, you know, we really need to teach a bit of critical literacy around that, which we do try to do at schools, but but sometimes something will happen and you'll think, oh, that's exactly what we were trying to protect you from. And bang, mm. here it is on your screen. But yeah. it feels to me like that's got to be critical in our self-care too, knowing when to shut that part of the world out, wouldn't you say, to be able to say, Definitely. well, I'm not absorbing too much from social media or from the media in general or whatever it might be, or even the people around you, a part mm. of what we need to learn is, well, to protect ourselves a little and to know when we're absorbing the wrong things. And that comes back down to, I think, what, all three of you have said, which is this notion of self-compassion and really being kind to yourself, which is, I think, the core of self-care. Um, how does it fit in? How do we learn to be kinder to ourselves so that we hear what the messages our inner self is telling us? In a dialogue. In a dialogue. 
Elaborate. Like, in, <laughs> really focusing on what, how we talk to ourselves. So it all starts with us. How, how, you do, how, how do you expect other people to be kind and compassionate towards you if you're not doing it to yourself, for yourself? And when you are really consciously catching yourself. So I use a wristband and it says I'm enough on it. And I give that to my clients as well because we'll forget, right? You'll create this amazing state in the morning um, and we're human beings and there'll be things that will throw us or throw, you know, remind us about the past and just get us off that penthouse. And we're back on that ground floor reacting. So you really need a prop that reminds you um, to catch that self-narrative, how you think and feel, and, and it's malleable. And we forget that it, we can choose. We can choose how we talk to ourselves, how we talk to our family, our colleagues. Um, the tone is very important. Um, so setting yourself up in the morning for success is a great first startup, but you've got to also have something that sort of rewires the brain and helps you to catch yourself during the day. That's what I find to be truly effective. I would agree. I think um, the and self-talk is really important and you kind of have to take one step back and, and think, well, how am I going to be aware of my self-talk? You have to like teach yourself to pay attention to what's going on in your head because it doesn't come naturally. We kind of get into this automatic pilot, don't we, where we're just doing things and that chatter in your head is just that background noise. So how do you build awareness for what, what are you saying to yourself um, and catch yourself out when you start to notice certain things? Um, one of the things that we talk about is that word uh, should is quite damaging. Um, and that's a really easy one to, to pay attention to. If you're constantly saying I should be better or I should know this or I should go and do some exercise or I should eat better, then it's, that's actually quite a damaging word that um, can make us feel really down and and bad Mm. yeah yeah I think um a lot of that also definitely for me comes from sort of what Frankie just said before what you're putting out into the world you almost get back that you know you have to sort of it's sort of a cycle that a lot of your energy and your positivity and your hope for the future is sort of what gets reflected back to you and I think people recognize that in in sort of ourselves as individuals that it is almost this harmony that we have and you sort of need to take a moment to realize that that's even happening and it it changes over time that's most certain over the course of our lives but yeah I think for me acknowledging the energy I put out is sometimes what what you get back is important. Mm. I think all of this conversation is really important to list the things that might help you with your self-care and, you know, really spark some thoughts as to, okay, what are the things that light me up? Is it to write stories? Is it to do some painting? Is it to go for a run or to really eat beautiful foods or spend time with people I love? But at the heart of it, I think sometimes the problem is we struggle to see ourselves as worthy of self-care. And I know when I was a teenager, I really that is not something I would have recognized in myself. Now as an adult, I know that I'm worthy of it, but I didn't really have a great self-esteem as a teenager. And I, I, I was much more willing to listen to other people than my own voice and my own purpose and needs. So how do we, what, okay, what would you say to someone who is struggling to put themselves at the center of their care, who is struggling to see themselves as worthy of self-care? I would say start off small and do pay attention to the little things that um, 
you might not even think it is self-care. So, and then, and reinforce that. So learn, build it as you go and, and take notice of those little things and how you feel as a result of it. So it doesn't necessarily have to be big extravagant things. Um, but if you can teach yourself and learn from those small things, hopefully that will start to build your awareness that, Hey, this is good. This is important. This makes me feel different. Yeah. That's really good advice. Also, I think um, acknowledging that sometimes your peers aren't going to be or of the same opinion as what's probably in your heart and soul and that sort of developing that sense of integrity that, you know, it's okay to be you and whatever it is that makes you feel happy might be very different to somebody else, but that's that's life and that's okay. And definitely as, as adolescent, particularly girls, you know, who can be very impressionable, just tapping into that inner voice and letting it grow and develop over time and and being in tune with that voice will make you the stronger woman essentially and will give you that really strong vision you know and potentially ambition for what you want to achieve in your own long-term lives Mm. and so this podcast obviously it's called girls unstoppable and from this conversation it's obvious that self-care is absolutely critical to being unstoppable but thinking more broadly what do you think unstoppable means or unstoppable for me means um i think getting to know yourself not being afraid of that chatter in your head um trying things that you haven't ever tried before and learning new things probably where i go when i think of unstoppable that you know, there's nothing out there in the world that can stop us from achieving anything. It's probably mostly inside our own our own mind and our own thinking that stops us from, from doing things. So we are all unstoppable. We just have to figure out how we break through, break through the, the fear or the uncertainty and, and give something a, a go. I think my version's similar, to be honest, because I sort of think unstoppable and then I go to fearless and brave and risk-taking and and all of those other sort of adjectives that sort of lead to taking a chance on life and and you never know what you're going to get out of an experience until you actually start it off and start that journey and not being afraid to to do it. I think I agree, Addie, that sometimes it's that inner little voice that, you know, you put yourself down, you think I'm not that person, I'm I can't do it, but you just need to turn that little voice off, don't you, and just just have a go and try. Amanda, what do you think? I think that being unstoppable is um, building that resilience and the only way that we really build that resilience is by leaning into uncertainty, falling into the black abyss of I don't know what's going to happen next, the ability to dig down deep when life gets tough, when life throws change, uh, when you want to give in, in those moments where you don't feel like you can go on, who are you in those moments and that's how we learn who we are and um, we need the power of polarity and those rock bottom moments to propel us forward because sometimes we don't make big changes or the necessary changes until we're absolutely forced to and I certainly waited until I was paralyzed to wake up about a few things and it was the biggest wake up call of my entire life and it was the best thing that ever happened to me wow that's amazing So obviously everything we've been saying about being unstoppable and self-care is absolutely critical and having the utmost and being unstoppable is about having the utmost certainty that you can do anything you put your mind to. 
This links perfectly with the discussion of self-care. It's not selfish to care about yourself and an unstoppable girl is confident enough to understand the great importance of self-care and how you can be affected by the absence of it. I just want to say thank you to all three and my co-host Joe Stanley for this amazing conversation. I think it's been very productive and I've really enjoyed speaking with all of you. Thank you so much, Frankie. Thank you, Rhiannon and Addie thank and you. Amanda. Thank um, you. I thought I'd just say that um, it all, it's always struck me that caring for others tends to come naturally for a lot of us because it comes hand in hand with loving the people in our lives. But caring for ourselves isn't necessarily our first choice. And I think that's sometimes because it's really hard to love ourselves. So sometimes I like to imagine I'm loving myself in the same way I love my daughter. And you can choose someone in your life, anyone in your life that you love dearly and put yourself, you imagine yourself that you're loving yourself in the same way you love that person. It's not selfish to love the person that you love and it's not selfish to love yourself. So actually self-care is a way of caring for everybody, really. Spending time doing the things that rejuvenate us, help us grow, that connect us with the innermost true parts of ourselves well, it's really the reason we're here, because when we do that, we're empowered to be the best version of ourselves and we're helping others do the same. So imagine what the world would be like if we were all walking around as the best version of ourselves. Well, we would all be unstoppable. And that's it for this episode of Girls Unstoppable. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe on your favourite podcast app and tell a friend. If you have any suggestions on what you would like to hear next, get in touch at girlsunstoppable at strathcona.vic.edu.au.